Welcome to Let's Talk Governance, a podcast to support regional West Australian non-for-profit groups to lead and steer their activities with high impact, confidence and compliance. The podcast is brought to you by the Grower Group Alliance and made possible with the generous support of podcast sponsor, the CBH Group. Your host is Callista Bolton of the Grower Group Alliance and our expert guest is renowned governance instructor, Peter Fitzpatrick. The Grower Group Alliance is a WA statewide network of around 60 farmer-led grower groups that are all run with volunteer committees. Established by grower groups for grower groups almost 20 years ago, today member groups extend from Kununurra in the northwest all the way down to Esperance in the southeast. Across the network, the groups have a diverse collective membership of around 4,000 farm enterprises, operating in all sectors of the agriculture industry at all different levels of scale and purpose. Hi everyone and welcome to our Let's Talk Governance podcast. My name is Callista Bolton. I work with the Grower Group Alliance in the role of Stakeholder and Communications Manager. Let me introduce our guest governance expert, Peter Fitzpatrick, who will be delivering all the technical content for this six-episode series. Peter is a well-known West Australian governance instructor. Peter has quite the resume, but for the context of this podcast, let's focus on his governance work. Peter is a graduate of the Australian Institute of Company Directors and has an advanced diploma in company directorship. He is currently a director of six boards and chairperson of four, which are a mix of for-profit and not-for-profit organisations. Peter is currently a teaching instructor for the Australian Institute of Company Directors course and consults privately, offering governance, consulting and training workshops. Hi, Peter. Hi, Callista. (laughs) (laughs) So we're on to episode three. Let's um, dive in. What are we going to learn about today? Well, we're going to be talking about how directors and boards add value. Uh, the use of questioning is very important. I'm going to have my my favourite seven golden rules for directors, which I think uh, are important. Some of the key elements of leadership uh, at a board level and what's the role of the board in terms of developing a strong culture. So the first one I might delve into is adding value um, because I think that that's a key question. Of, I, I often ask people when they say, well, how do you think this board is going? And I would say, well, are you adding value? Uh, if you're not adding value, why are you there? And it's a, it's, it's a threshold question, I think, that uh, people need to ask themselves if they're sitting on a board. comes in two parts, really. How do you add value as a director, as an individual? And how do you add value as a board? And I think, uh, and I'll just quickly cover off on those. So as a, a director, the sort of things that I like to see, are directors have energy. They turn up looking like they're ready to go, not looking like they, they might have had a bad day, but you just got to put on a bright face and get in there and do the job. You've got to be prepared. You've got to have read your papers. Uh, you have to be prepared to work as a team. You have to lead. Directors need to lead. If you're not leading, then that you're not doing your job. You also set the whole parameter for culture, and we'll look at this later in the session. A director has to be visionary. They have to have a clear picture with the board as to where this organisation is going. An individual also has to be focused on strategic, not operational matters. One I often throw in is you need to challenge what I call the sacred cows. Every organisation's got them. 
oh, we don't do that around here or the chair doesn't like that or we tried that three years ago. There's a book called Sacred Cows Make Good Hamburgers. You need directors, if you're adding value, you need to overcome these little blocks that are put in your way. You need to review and evaluate your performance. You need to communicate effectively, two-way communication. You need to have the knowledge of your organisation and the director knowledge to do your job. And then you need to be engaged when you're in meetings. So that's what I would say are the main attributes I want to see adding value for a director. How do boards do it? Well, a lot of the things were already covered in, in previous sessions. They need to have the skill, the diversity and the competencies to lead and to be effective as an organisation. They need to work as a team and they need to make well-informed decisions. They need to define and then have a connected culture across the organisation. Uh, also covered earlier, they need to monitor compliance with the with all the different laws and regulations and financial uh, reporting, and they need to monitor performance. They need to be constantly looking, how are we performing? Are we achieving our strategic goals and so on? They need to have a harmonious and effective relationship with the executive officer or CEO. Boards also need to have a collective vision uh, and they need to use effective communications to keep all of their stakeholders informed, that's members, government, media and so on. They need to continually monitor risk and they need to be constantly looking and reviewing strategy having already said it. So they're the, they're the value adds both as a individual and then collectively those last ones that I just covered. Mm, I love the um, bring energy and be engaged um Two really good e-words there around, yes. um, you know, principles for committee members, and also the in terms of a collective board. The you mentioned diversity. Um, this is something that we've looked at within the Grow Group Alliance network before, and um, presented a bit of capacity building around that. It's such an important attribute mm. to focus on these days because obviously, if you've just got a homogenous group of people, you're going to make homogenous decisions, and yes. it's very hard for innovation to happen in that setting. So, have a positive attitude towards looking proactively, looking at how you can diversify your committee draw people in from the community that aren't necessarily around the table and, um, mm. you know, that, that helps your committee and organisation stay relevant to your community and with that succession planning and growing your membership because you've got that diversity um, constantly mm. developing. So, yeah, And know. diversity in the wider sense. Gender is the obvious one that everyone thinks of and yep. it's, it's important because women solve problems differently to men and it's and they are 50.1% of the population. So not having a good gender representation just doesn't make sense. It's just common sense you should do it. But there are other things like age, experience, ethnic background, uh, level of education, all these things are all parts of a diverse of the board. Mix. Yep. So people just think diversity and they think gender. Well, gender is probably one of the most critical ones, but there are other factors as for well. For sure, for sure. Excellent. So let's talk about those seven golden rules for yeah. directors that you were, were talking about. Yeah, I've, over the years I've sort of looked at what are the – and I've tried not to have too many because people don't remember too many, but I, I struggle to get much fewer than seven. So I'll just go through them very quickly. I think that's probably all needs to be to be said and done about it, to be honest. They don't need enormous explanation. First one is leave your ego at the door. Um, 
Uh, I like to hear people talking about we and us at board meetings, not I and you, because that means you're thinking with as, as part of a, a broader team. Um, egos often get in the way. Everyone's got an ego. There's nothing wrong with that. But it can get in the way of uh, good collective work. Uh, the other one is listen to others attentively. Uh, listening is a is a skill that we've probably not that good at. Uh, the indigenous people are very good at it. Uh, the Noongar people have a term called dadiri, which is the art of respectful listening. And I think they can show us a lot in that regard. Uh, I think. Uh, we tend not to listen. We tend to be making up our mind to say something rather than listening very, very closely to what others are saying because we miss things if we don't. The next one is respect other opinions. Uh, your opinion is your opinion. It's not necessarily right. And so you need to respect other opinions. And it's amazing how much you can learn by actually attentively listening and understanding that there is another opinion other than yours. Uh, we're going to talk about this shortly. In other words, ask questions in preference to making statements. Questions will get you to the truth. Making statements will just tell the world what you think you know, and mm. that's a, quite a different uh, way of doing it. I use questions all the time at board meetings, and as a chair, I almost exclusively used uh, questions. Make your contributions relevant and brief. We've covered that before uh, when we talked about the right to be heard. Uh, yeah, but you need to be relevant and you need to be brief. People have a very short attention span so the longer you speak, the less they're going to actually absorb. So if you want to be effective, go to the nub of the problem and then keep it brief. Stay strategic. We've talked about that before. You've always got to focus on the big picture as a director. Uh, and finally, never agree to something you don't understand uh, because that can lead into a lot of problems for you further down the track. Or it could lead to problems for the organisation because you might make decisions that don't actually serve it well. Yeah, we talked about that before, um, making sure you're informed. So, mm, so that's the seven golden rules. Yeah. It's, uh, they're pretty, uh, but, but if you're applying all of those as a director, then you're on, a, you're on the pathway to success. To find your local grower group, head to the Grower Group Alliance website, gga.org.au. While you're there, subscribe to the GGA newsletter and be sure to stay up to date with the activities and opportunities from the 60-plus groups around WA that make up the vibrant and diverse Grower Group Alliance network. Peter, let's hone in on the questioning. Why is questioning as a key skill for directors? Okay, well, questioning, what you don't ask, you don't get, I suppose, is you know, the old adage that we've talked about. Questions are really powerful. Uh, because they create change. And a good question, an open question in particular, leads to better uh, awareness. An open question is where you don't get a yes, no answer, yeah. where you're getting a, a Conversation. Yeah. Yes. So uh, they can help to, uh, to change perspectives of, of what people are thinking about. They can be breakthrough questions that will actually get, take you to a whole new area. Uh, you look at things from a different point of view. Let me give you just a couple of examples. A question of how can we improve morale? Okay, that might, it's an open question. But would it be better to say, how can we get five out of five for an employee satisfaction survey? Yeah, what would we need yeah, to do yeah, to get so five out of five? Yeah, so that opens it up, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, or how can we retain our members? Wouldn't it be better to say, what can we do to wow our members? So the question just opens up a whole new, whole new area. 
questions also avoid unnecessary conflict. So if somebody says something and you start to disagree with it, saying, I don't agree with that, you're far better off. Uh, and one of the lessons that I've learned is to say, so what would success look like if we did that? How would you measure uh, whether we're actually able to achieve it? Um, do you think we can afford it? These sort of questions open up to new possibilities rather than getting yourself engaged in, in uh, a, uh, an acrimonious discussion because you've said, I, I think you're wrong and I don't agree with you. Yeah. Find out what they're really saying and you might find you actually agree with them. And uh, unpack it a bit more yes. through questioning. Yep. Nothing has uh, such power um, uh, to cause a complete turnaround in anything that you're doing as a question. Um, they spark curiosity. Curiosity leads to new ideas. I, I have prepared over time, and I'm happy to make available on your website what I call my 40 powerful questions. And uh, I use these unashamedly uh, myself. I've actually broken them down into goal-related questions Reality questions. A reality question is why is that? Uh, what are the implications for you in doing that? Um, what does that mean for us if we were to do it? Uh, and then options questions. What would happen if? Uh, is it important to you? What would what would you like in the future? These are the sort of options type questions. And then the other two categories that I have are wrap up questions. Uh, Wrap-up questions are very important sometimes to make sure everybody's on the same page, so as to speak. Uh, are you ready to go ahead? What do, you, what do you want to do to get us to get this up to uh, implementation? By whom or by when type questions? Um, and then following questions or drilling down questions. Uh, why do you ask? What makes you say that? Is that a fact, an assumption or an opinion? Yeah. Those sort of questions. What evidence do we have to support that? These are good sort of uh, drill-down questions. It so sounds like a great list to include in your board papers <laughs> at the end as sort of a go-to yes. um, resource that people can refer to if they're in a situation where they're going to get into that acrimonious yes. discussion or yes. you know, to, to help facilitate that flow of, of, of discussion. Yeah, so well, as a chair, I only use questions, to be honest. Mm. I rarely make statements. If you start making statements, well, first of all, you don't make the statement first, but then everybody has to sort of conform. Uh, but if you make statements, you get engaged in the debate too much. And if you're a conductor chair trying to, to, to bring everybody out and get the best opinions out of everybody, questions are the best way to do it. Even if the, even if the debate or the discussion goes off track, I don't sort of say, let's go back to here. I'll just simply say, can somebody take us back to where we were discussing? Yeah. And you lead people that way. Uh, or what are we trying to achieve here? Um, and just get people to start enunciating because you've got the wisdom of the group and you've, the role of the chair is to bring out that wisdom. So I see all of that as part of the whole questioning technique. And I can get just about every bit of information I need as a chair by asking questions. And then I'm not involved in any of the confrontation. It enables me to then effectively sum up based around the discussions that have taken place, quite often being steered a little bit by me as the chair, but not directed by me. I love that wisdom of the group comment, mm. because yes. really that's what it is. You've got people around the table who've got years of experience and knowledge, and yeah, it's a huge resource to be able to tap into yes. within your committee, and it's it's quite a skill to be able to do that. Yes. So. 
Let, that leads us perfectly into my next question, which is what are the key elements of leadership at a board level? Well, I, I'm going to talk about it first of all from the, uh, the, indi- the, the actual individual director. Uh, and the first thing, uh, the starting point, the building block of any leadership is self-awareness, knowing what your own capabilities are and how you interact with people. And not these days, people are not good at this. I think we spend far too much time looking at machines and things and we tend to lose our sense of self-awareness. And linked with that is emotional intelligence. Do you deeply care about the people that you're leading? Do you deeply care about the other directors around the table? Or do you see them just as pawns that you need to move around to get them to agree with your point of view? I've spent years in both in the military and, uh, and since that time in CEO and board roles studying and teaching leadership. And I can always teach people the leadership skills that they need. In other words, that what are the things you should do? But you can't teach emotional intelligence. That's yeah. got to come from deep within you. And it, you've got to ask yourself the question, do I really care about these people? Do I really need to find out more about them so that I understand them better? That and self-awareness are the building blocks. The next thing uh, people look for in leaders is what's the vision? Where are we going? You know, the kids in the back of the car test, where are we going and when are we going to get there? You know, boards ask, uh, and, and organisations will be often asking, not necessarily saying it in those terms, but having a vision of where the organisation is going. I quote the great quote by John F. Kennedy, in this decade we'll put a man on the moon and bring him safely back to earth again. There's such a powerful vision statement and they actually achieved it because it was created in such a powerful way. Communication is another great leadership skill um, that's needed both at an individual director and at board level. Communication we sometimes confuse with telling. People say, uh, is that being done? Yes, I told so-and-so. Well, telling is not communicating. Telling is that two-way flow getting people to understand what you want, getting them to come back to you with any questions and then agreeing on the outcome that you want. The next one is courage. It takes courage to be a good director. It does. Uh, it, you need <laughs> to stand up uh, for things at times that if something is going wrong and you really feel strongly about it, then you need to, you need to have the courage to say what you, uh, what you need to say. Don't confuse courage with stubbornness, though. Some people do. Some people think, I'm going to get my way on this come hell or high water. That's stubbornness. Courage is when there's an underlying principle that you agree in, agree, agree with, or an underlying principle that underpins the way in which you think the board should be functioning and having the courage to stand up for that. And the final one is take action. Um, too many boards and too many people in life are always talking about doing stuff but not doing it. Um, the great Robin Sharma, the leadership writer, uh, the American leadership writer, a contemporary writer, one of the best, he says, the smallest of actions is greater than the noblest of intentions. In other words, do something. Don't just keep talking about it as an individual or as a board. If you're constantly talking about strategy, do something, get some early wins. Uh, that's what real leadership is about, not just talking about things. I think my favourite, oh, they're all great, but I think my favourite in there is anchored around the vision. Yes. Um, you know, committee members are really the custodians of 
their group at that moment in time and you know I suppose they need to go in there asking well how are they going to invest their time to make yes. the highest impact for yes. the group so it's yes. really important to um, have a clear vision and a vision as a group yes. um, to, to really as a point of reference for for your time that you're investing yes. and the energy um, and so on and so forth so excellent Owned and controlled by around 3,800 WA grain growing businesses, CBH Group is proud to be actively involved with and supportive of the communities we operate in. We do this through our Community Investment Fund, and a large part of this fund is committed to building leadership capacity in our regional communities. We support and deliver programs that build strength, resilience, knowledge, and skills for future industry leaders to work towards a sustainable and profitable grain growing industry. For more info, head to cbh.com.au forward slash scholarships. Let's talk about culture. What is the role of the board in achieving a strong culture? Well, it's, it's critical. <laughs> the board sets the tone um, and uh, a strong culture is, is just an invaluable asset um, uh, to an organisation. It contributes uh, significantly to uh, operational success, organisation's ability to achieve its goals and its strategies. So it's really uh, it's fundamental to all of that. A poor culture will undermine an organisation's performance and the board plays a pivotal role in shaping an organisation's culture. Uh, and it leads should lead by example. Culture represents really the shared values uh, of a board, uh, the beliefs that uh, that underpin behaviour for people. Uh, it's often described by the way people act when nobody's looking. It's an interesting way. What is the culture really like? It can be seen as a nebulous concept, but it, and it may be difficult to measure or define at times. But it's a powerful influence. And good cultures are aligned to the organisation's purpose and strategy. If the culture and the purpose and the strategy are all aligned, then you've got a much greater chance of success. So if we talk about the board's role in that, the board obviously can't um, drive the strategy on a day-to-day basis. That's down to the EO and the management team to do that. But the culture between the board and the organisation must be the same. And culture has got to come from within. A board can't dictate to say this is the culture of the organisation. It has to be a mutual discussion and agreement of what it is. Even the very fact that you discuss it, most people say culture is critical, but they never ever talk about it. I don't know what it is. Uh, And it's this sort of thing that sort of hovers around. It's like the existence of God, you know. Yes, it's very important to, 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 to know the existence of God, but do we ever sort of do anything about it or talk about it and that sort of thing? So it's uh, so the board and the directors play a critical role in shaping an organisation's culture. Uh, they can influence ability to achieve its purpose and so on. There are several different ways the boards can engage with and practically influence a culture. For example, the selection of a CEO that's aligned to a culture is really important. Uh, setting a code of conduct, perhaps, within an organisation that defines the things that are expected of people, um, establishing uh, remuneration and incentive type things within an organisation that might uh, lead to desired behaviours. 
every action of the board has the potential to influence the organisation's culture in some ways. If a board approves a budget which makes provision, say, for learning and education within the the organisation, it will create a culture that values ongoing uh, education. Uh, It's not only the board's decisions that have a potential to influence culture, but also its behaviours and attitudes, how board members interact with one another, the questions they ask of management and the way they conduct their meetings, all are an influence on culture. Uh, In this way, the culture of the board itself can ripple through the organisation. It's called setting the tone from the top, which is what I often refer to. Uh, Managing culture, therefore, involves uh, uh, outgoing reflection by directors about how their decisions and their behaviour shape the organisation's culture. The impact of board decision-making should be a consideration uh, about culture and every time they make decisions. Uh, The simple way to keep this fresh in the minds of directors is to make sure that culture is a regular agenda item for board meetings and for discussion with the EO as far as the culture of the whole organisation is concerned. Excellent. I mean, culture is is one of those invisible things, but it's it's not. Yes. Um, and I, I I think also, you know, your point before about courage being one of the key attributes of um, leadership. You know, that flows into culture because where you've got potentially a negative culture or dysfunctional mm-hmm. culture, your directors or members need to have the courage to call culture into question. Yes. And you know to to generate the opportunity to rechart the culture or you know make those corrections where they're needed. So yes. um, culture and courage kind of go hand in hand, really. Yes. In my meetings between uh, between board meetings with the EO or the CEO as a chair, uh, culture often comes up in discussion. What's happening? What, why did that occur? What culture sort of led to that? Or uh, or something that's gone really well? Isn't it fantastic? You know, that's the sort of thing that we should be acknowledging and recognising because it's reflective of the culture we're trying to create. Mm. Uh, so having those sort of meaningful discussions and that helps to link the board up with the organisation. Uh, I've seen organisations where the board sort of has its own culture which is not in tune with what's really going on uh, and things just don't work after that. And the culture's also got to be, you know, if you're talking about an organisation, it's got to be the receptionist and the the junior staff. In a mining company, I always say cultures should be reflected in the way the forklift driver goes about their duties. You know, it's got to be down to that sort of level. It's not something that just hovers around in the boardroom in Perth. It's got to be how does it impact across the whole organisation? And it's got to be a willing participation by people. People, a good organisation, people don't work for the organisation or they don't work for the named so or the CEO or the chair of the day. They work because they want to be with their teams and with their people. That's the sort of culture you've got to create. Is your event visible? Attract traffic to your agricultural industry event by featuring it in the GGA statewide events calendar. Circulated fortnightly, the Grower Group Alliance calendar is the most comprehensive calendar for the Western Australian agricultural industry. Featuring your event is free. Head to the Grower Group Alliance webpage to subscribe, gga.org.au. Great insights there around achieving best practice board performance. 
We've got a great question, sort of falls into this category. So let's um, have a look at that question now. In a not-for-profit, how do we ensure that the value of a skills-based board of directors or committee are seen as the valuable asset that they are by the operational team or staff? Yeah, well, they are. Um, <laughs> I suppose that's the, the short answer to that. Um, but I, I think you do that by focusing on it and it needs to be focused on because if you haven't got the right skills around the table at the board, uh, then the organisation's never going to achieve its full potential. If you're not sure about whether you've got the right people around, you need to identify, the board needs to sit down and say, what do we need to really run this organisation efficiently? Uh, and then you can follow that up more formally with a skills audit, you know, with a questionnaire. I'm finding just in my, my own consultancy area, more and more boards are asking me to come in and do board skills evaluations each year. Uh, somebody independent can cast an eye over it to say, well, uh, do you really have the right skills to do the job? Directors, when they fill in these things, I normally get them to rate between one and three. Yes, I'm very good at it. I'm okay at it, but I'm not so good at it in the three sort of categories. Sometimes some directors are very humble and always uh, undermark themselves and others think they know everything. So you've got to sort of get somebody that can cast an eye over it. Maybe it's the chair or someone just to make sure that people haven't exaggerated or underestimated the skills that they bring to the table. And then having done that, uh, you've just got to go out and find the right people if you notice deficiencies. But I think the key to it is you've just got to focus on skills. If the board doesn't focus on it's got the right skills and, and it is what this question sort of almost assumes that they're being upstaged a bit by the staff, well, then that's the board's responsibility to fix that. So go find the people. And I know that's hard in small communities, but uh, and you may even have to amend your constitution to bring in independent directors to get you through, but uh, if they're not already uh, allowed for in the constitution. But uh, I have a very strong focus on on skills, skills-based boards, and not having too many people all with the same skill trying to provide comprehensive decisions that are needed to run an effective not-for-profit. Yeah, and in terms of assisting um, the staff members to see the committee or board as a valuable asset, so how do you, in a practical sense, how do you achieve that sort of situation? Is it by having time together outside of meetings, you know, in sort of formal informal catch-ups or is there some sort of structured way to perhaps introduce the board to staff? What, what would you advise in terms of that? There, there are two parts to this. I think directors have an obligation to actually talk to the staff to find out what's going on. Yep. But short of crossing the line and starting to direct staff. Yep. And I've always had a very strong policy about that. So I will attend Christmas functions if there's a barbecue or something being held. Uh, you go and you just talk to people informally. You get a lot of insights as to what's happening. So I think you've got to break down any boundaries there, but short of it becoming um, confusing as to who, who the boss is in the organisation. So I think that's a starting point. But I think a really competent board that knows its staff, you shouldn't have to sell that to the staff. It'll be obvious. If the culture's right, it'll be obvious. But there is a need, for example, to to talk to people and to have this interaction. And you might find some of the staff are on board subcommittees with people and so on. Just the key thing is don't cross the line. 
don't get in the way of the executive officer running the organisation. Yeah. And you've talked about, you know, in that recruiting process of, of um, bringing people onto your board, ensuring that, that there might be a checklist of skills that you're looking for. Yes. And and perhaps something I'm, I'm thinking um, in terms of showcasing those skill sets to the community or the staff would be as simple as just having a bio on a web Yes. Web page, yes. so that people, um, you know, have got that information, and that you know that will then strike up conversation, and yes. you know, um, people can unpack that a little bit more, and 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 appreciate their skill set on the committee. I think also one of the other benefits of um, highlighting the skills of your board or committee is that can often assist with succession. Mm. So by um, you know really showcasing to the community who's involved. Um, that can often elicit a call to action in in somebody that's you know could potentially come in in a year or two and say wow wow I've got some skills in that area to contribute yes um, when it you know further down the track I might be able to step up and so highlighting those skills I think is an important thing to do as a general ongoing practice within an organisation because. Um, you know, it, it does actually form part of your overall recruiting mm. and making things easier when you come to an AGM if, if your community understands mm. um, the importance of the board and, um, you know, the, the, how their skills might enrich the organisation. So Yeah, I think at the end of the day, boards are judged by the culture and the way they set the culture for the organisation, their own personal behaviour of directors as to how they behave themselves and ultimately by the quality of the decisions that they make. Excellent. All very useful. Again, Peter, thank you so much for today's insights. Thank you. My pleasure. We hope you've enjoyed the content in this episode of the Let's Talk Governance podcast. Resources around governance for grower groups, including where to connect with guest expert Peter Fitzpatrick, can be found on the Grower Group Alliance website at gga.org.au. Before we go, one final acknowledgement to our podcast sponsor, the CBH Group, who have been right behind this new way of making governance guidance really accessible to the Grower Group Alliance Network and any other not-for-profit stakeholder groups tuning in.